Welcome to season two, episode eight of this podcast series by the podcast in, by the program International Treasurer at Cornell University, or as we call it, the PIN podcast. In this series, trainees in PIN interview leaders in, and rising stars in the field of nutrition and global health. Uh, today on the podcast, our interviews include myself. My name is Christy, and I'm a graduate student at PIN, as well as several other PIN trainees. Hello, my name is Krupa. Hi, I'm Sam. Hola, yo soy Elizabeth. And our very special guest today is Andrea L.S. Bolongo. She is an independent consultant based in Uganda with over 10 years of experience in global nutrition. She has worked as a nutrition consultant for the World Bank since 2012 and has also consulted for various other organizations such as the FAO. Additionally, Andrea is currently a PhD candidate at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. And welcome to the podcast, Andrea. Thank you so much for joining us today. To start us off, I would love to hear about your career trajectory, what led us to be in the field in the of international nutrition. Great. Well, thank you so much, Christine, for the opportunity to be here and to participate in the podcast. This is great. Um, so in terms of my uh, career trajectory, I, I think many people in nutrition come from different angles. So I came actually from the world of IT. Um, I, this is a global nutrition is a second career for me. So um, I started actually um, doing web design and development in the agriculture world. So actually I worked for um, ag giant Monsanto for about 10 years before um, I then um, uh, left the corporate world in order to do my master's of public health at Washington University in St. Louis. Um, and then um, after Washington University in St. Louis, after I finished my MPH, I started um, doing consulting. Uh, so I had picked up my first consultancy with World Bank. Um, and after that first consultancy, actually, I then um, got a position working for Save the Children on USAID's spring project. So that was their um, five-year nutrition project at the time. Um, so I worked on spring for about a year before then actually returning to the bank um, as a consultant. And that is um, primarily where I've been um, since, as you said, 2012. Um, I've also done some other consultancies in the meantime as well. So it's kind of been a bit of a, a mix. And then in, let's see, um, in 2016, I then also started my PhD at London School. Um, so for the past five years or so, it's been a combination of PhD work and then also doing the consultancy. So, so combined there. Thank you. Um, I know you just spoke a little bit about your various consultancies, but I was wondering if you could go into a little more detail about what you were doing during some of them um, and just anything, maybe pros and cons, um, we would love to hear. Sure, so a lot of my work, um, and I'll focus primarily at the bank, has been uh, in multi-sectoral drivers of nutrition. Um, when I first started there, I was actually working on a, they called a knowledge platform, the Secure Nutrition Knowledge Platform. Um, and that was really focused on trying to, like as, as a repository, basically, a repository um, and a platform for to bring in speakers and to bring in um, there are some small grants projects all around uh, multi-sectoral drivers of nutrition, um, which was a really great opportunity for me to um, really get well-versed in other sectors and how other sectors can contribute to um, addressing malnutrition um, in the world. Um, and then the, um, after about two years or so of working on secure nutrition, I started to do more and more technical nutrition work. So working on 
um, bank projects in country um, as a nutrition technical advisor. And then again, I was usually working from a multi-sectoral perspective. So um, in, let's say in social protection, I would be working on as the nutritionist on a cash transfer program um, and helping them to design um, their nutrition education component, um, which might have been like the condition for that cash transfer program. Um, or within agriculture, trying to um, help them identify what might be a best um, agriculture intervention for a particular con country context. Um, so yeah, just a variety of projects there. And then um, I guess in around 2015, I started doing a lot of work in social protection. So I actually, I ran a conference, um, it's called the Global Forum of Nutrition Sensitive, Sensitive Social Protection that was based in uh, Moscow, actually. And this was one of the first big global events to bring together people who were interested in trying to make social protection interventions um, work well to improve or uh, nutrition outcomes. Um, and that was just an amazing opportunity because we brought people together from many, many different countries um, all to Moscow to talk in person um, about what, first of all, what different um, countries and organizations were doing. Um, so we had you know, NGO involvement and other UN agency involvement in that. So just learning from other countries about what they were doing, what was working, what challenges they were still facing, et cetera. Um, these days, um, I have uh, one project that is looking at the intersection of nutrition and universal health coverage. So how, um, you know, we, there's a lot of talk about the importance of nutrition with regard to universal health coverage, but um, not really clear guidance on how to make um, universal health coverage work for nutrition and vice versa. Um, so that's a project that I'm working on. Another one is about intersection between nutrition and the fisheries and aquaculture sectors so, and wash actually. So that, um, that nexus between yeah, fisheries and aquaculture, wash and nutrition. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so those are the kind of the two things. So you can see that at the bank, uh, I can be pulled into a variety of different projects. And then the, the core is always nutrition and usually is always um, multi-sectoral drivers for addressing nutrition, but it's, it's a, it's a mix. This is, this is awesome. I, I think this is, and, and thank you for all, all, all of what you're sharing with us, because I think this is one of my favorite aspects of nutrition, the way it combines uh, different expertise and backgrounds and brings it all together. And, and following up a little bit with what you were just saying about your current projects, we are wondering really, how do you balance it all? Like, like you're doing a PhD right now and you're also a consultant. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you balance it and how, how, what does a normal day in your life look like being both of these things at the same time? Yeah, carefully, <laughs> balance it carefully. And um, I can show you, my, well, on the podcast, you won't be able to see, but I'll show you right here. I live by my journal um, because really, a day in my life, like every day is different and it's really driven by what deadlines are coming up, like what deliverables I need to deliver. Um, and so, you know, I, so I'm based in Uganda. Um, most of my work is based in Washington, DC. And so when I wake up in the morning, I usually wake up to um, an inbox full of emails, you know, so I have a certain plan for the day, but then that inbox might change what my plan is. There might be new things that come on where I'm like, oh yeah, uh, forget that plan, let's go on to this. 
um, because I need to get something done. And so it really is like that. It's really based on um, how do I, but, I, but time management and also tracking my time is hugely important as a consultant. Um, um, you know, as I, I bill by the hour, or by the day, most of some others I bill by the hour. And so I need to be very aware of how I'm spending my time and making sure that I'm spending my time in a way that is getting me somewhere towards a deliverable. Um, with the PhD, balancing that, that's tricky because like I think of, um, you know, my consulting work is that's the work that um, someone pays me and my PhD work is the work that I pay someone else for me to have the opportunity to do. Um, and so it, it is a real balance. And there are some weeks, you know, there is um, you know, like earlier this year, I had a few months where I wasn't uh, making progress on the PhD. Um, and that was a choice I knew because I had a heavy consulting load. Um, but I also knew in my head, okay, you know, come uh, August, I need to start, you know, really uh, making progress on that PhD again. And basically it's just knowing that, um, you know, I can't take on new consultancies during that period of time, or I just really need to make sure that the work that I'm working on is scaled down because I need to have a lot of focus on the PhD, uh, the PhD work. Um, yeah, but it, it's it's tricky and it takes a lot of kind of flexibility. And it, it, it's possible now, it's a bit easier now than it was at an earlier stage of the PhD. It, it was actually really hard when I was doing data collection because there, you know, the, the, the research timeline was completely out of my control. Um, and um, I had to be on the ground. So I did primary data collection. I had to be on the ground. Actually, that's why I moved to Uganda was so that I could do my data collection. And um, that was a really tricky time balancing the consulting work and also doing, doing the PhD. But at this stage, it's a bit easier because I'm just doing the analysis and the writing. So journal logging and time management are clearly like super important aspects of your juggling PhD versus consulting. But I was wondering if you can also share what are some of the skills that you find is most important for you and also probably as an advice for current and future graduate students? Yeah, um, I'm going to give you a bit of an unsatisfying answer to that, which is to say it depends. <laughs> it, it depends on like your core skills as a, as a, as a person, as a, someone working in this field, um, and also what type of role you see yourself doing down the road. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, for as a consultant, I was mentioning this earlier, um, you know, you're gonna get hired for your technical skills. That's what someone's hired. As a consultant, um, no one's gonna hire you and then train you into, into a position. Um, they expect you to be able to come to already have the skills and then to, to, to deliver your deliverable at the end of the day. Um, and so those technical skills are really important and depending on what you're doing. So for me, you know, uh, being able to do a good literature review, right? Um, uh, the skills that I've developed in the PhD for data analysis are amazing. Like that is, for me, that is one of the, like I can write data code, like nobody's business now. <laughs> um, actually, I don't, um, I don't have consultancies for, for that right now, but I consider that to be a huge technical skill that I got out of doing the PhD that I hadn't necessarily anticipated, um, but, but it's amazing. Um, but I think even more so, um, you know, so the technical skills might be why you get a job, but the soft skills are why you continue to get those jobs, why you, uh, why someone hires you again and again and again. And to me, it's those soft skills 
that are really important. And so what do I mean by that? I mean, like being able to deal with difficult people, <laughs> uh, being able to take criticism, um, being able to assert yourself, but in a graceful way, um, right? Where you're not being offensive, um, disagreeing gracefully, collaborating with people who um, come from different cultures and even different academic cultures. So as I mentioned, I do multi-sectoral work. That means that I'm often working with people who are coming from very different perspectives, working on this fisheries and aquaculture project is one good example. You know, I don't know anything about fisheries and aquaculture and somehow on this project, and they didn't know anything about nutrition. And so it was a real like mind meld and you have to be able to um, accept. And sometimes like things that people will think just don't, they don't agree with your academic perspective um, and, or your training. And so you have to figure out a way to deal with that. So, um, all these soft skills, I think, are hugely important in terms of, you know, getting beyond just getting your foot in the door, but also then being successful in your career. Yeah, definitely. Um, so now we have two more informal questions. One is, what is the worst part about your job? Could be something like email, you know, depends on what you do. Yeah, so it's, it's changed over time. In the beginning, um, it was the uncertainty, the, the uncertainty and the lack of control. This in terms of being a consultant. Um, so when you're when you're just getting started, you don't necessarily know that you're going to have another follow-on project after the one that you already have. Um, and so, um, and the reality is, is that especially when you're living in the U.S. here in Europe, like the cost of living can be really high. Especially, you know, so I was living in D.C. at the time, right? And so just not knowing that was probably the, the hardest part. And also. Um, having to, knowing that I had to make myself available to be wherever, whenever that a job needed me to be, because um, I needed the experience. And so if someone said, so actually my, uh, my practicum in my MPH was in Nigeria. Nigeria is the first international location that I worked in. Nigeria is a tough place to cut your teeth <laughs> in international development. Um, and it was seriously intimidating, but I knew at the time that if I wanted to do this work, I, I just had to do it. I wasn't gonna have a, 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 an easy landing. Nigeria is where I had to go. And so I did, and it, it turned out amazing. Um, now, um, I would say probably more so is not having the downside, right? The, the, the downside of my job is not having so much power to change what gets done. So as a technical advisor, as a technical expert, I can advise, I can um, do my best to provide evidence for what the right move is to do, but I don't actually at the end of the day um, get to determine, get to decide what actually gets done. And last question, what is the best thing about your job? Uh, the best thing is a variety of work. So I love, for me, I, like I get a lot of energy from learning new things, learning about aquaculture and fisheries. That was so very cool. Learning about universal health coverage. I didn't know very much about health coverage. I'm not a financing person, but you get to learn about that. And so in consulting, um, you get to go really deep and you get to explore new, new areas, which I think is the most, and I also, I get to do what I think is the best part of uh, nutrition research, which is the actual research. I spend very little of my time doing administrative work. Um, I get to do the fun part, what I think it to be is, is the fun part. So that for me is the reason why I stay in consulting. Well, that's our time for today. Thank you so much for joining us today, Andrea. It was great to learn about everything you've done, how your career path was fascinating, and all the, all the best luck in completing your PhD soon. 
And to the listeners of our podcast, stay tuned for more insightful conversations with amazing researchers in international nutrition and global health. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Elena Kerki for the audio edits and our theme music. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. This was awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Fascinating. And thank you so much. Thank you.